You know what it is like to suffer a letdown after a big event? You know, pastors, historically, after you have a sermon, we, get, we go home and we crash. You know that? You, you pour out, you pour out, and you just... Anybody, pastors, can agree with me on that? You know what I'm talking about? You just, you kind of just like that. Uh, and that's okay. We, we have to go and get rejuvenated. We have to go and rest. But many times when we have a special service or services, like we had our, our 10th anniversary, and then we had a resurrection celebration, and we had the meal, you know, we had the big meal, and then yesterday we had the free food and free clothing giveaway and haircuts. I think they did over 50 haircuts again yesterday and gave away over 100 boxes of food and ministered. Yeah, come on. That's, God is good, and he's, he's ministering through the body. Well, today I want to look at the, the road to Emmaus. The Emmaus, many of you have heard of the, the Emmaus walk, and this is where it's taken from this passage. But I had a video I had kind of thought about showing last week, but I want to show it today even though it's a kind of concerns a resurrection day, but... God's kind of keeping me in this vein of, is he alive in you? Have you made him something less than what he really is? Have we tried to conform him to us, or are we conforming ourselves to him? So I want us to look at this video, and then we'll uh, talk about it, okay? Drew, Laura, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. Jesus, what is he doing? You're supposed to be dying right now. What? Get back oh. up on the cross and stay there until we tell oh. you to come down. Play dead. Oh, but I haven't seen you in so long, you know? I mean, I just want to sit and talk. Jesus, I'm so sorry you had to die for us. That must have been so terrible. Yes, uh, I died, but look, I want you to concentrate on my life. I'm alive now, you know. Technically, you're not alive until the last five minutes of service. Now, put this on. What, what are you doing? I, I've already been through all this, guys. Look... Let's focus on our life together. Okay, Jesus, we're remembering you. We're sorry you had to suffer. Yes, I suffered, but I want you to understand what the suffering was for. It's so that you could live like me. Did you really go to hell for us? Oh, I can't imagine what that was like. Was it hot? Did you see Satan? Okay, is this a joke? You know, Jesus, you're not taking your death very seriously. Now, please, be respectful of what you did 2,000 years ago. Uh, okay, um, my death is where life began. I did that so that we could have this. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Whoa! Guys, stop this. I'm alive. Jesus, we know you're alive. Now hold still. If you know I'm alive, why do you keep treating me like I'm not? That's true. If we know he's alive, why don't we keep treating him like he's not? Why don't we walk around in our stupors and we walk around in our, in our just existence instead of walking around in the power of God? Don't we recognize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us? Amen? We are not some pathetic, oh, washed up, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. We're not that, guys. We are we're in the, created in the image of God. We are called to do greater works than he did. And listen, it's after the resurrection. And so we can just go back and do our normal thing. No, we can't. And that's what I want you to see in this passage this morning about these men that gave up pretty quick on Jesus. So if you'll turn in your Bibles, we're looking at Luke 24. Luke 24. The road to Emmaus. 
Now behold, two of them, these were disciples of Christ, were traveling that same day, and that's the day of the resurrection, the same day. This is on a Sunday. They were traveling to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they, were, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. It's like if me and David were just walking down the road, and then all of a sudden my son Wes just kind of started walking along with us. You're two, and then all of a sudden you're three. And he just kind of shows up, and he's hanging out walking with them, and he's listening to their conversation. Did you know that Jesus hears your conversation? Did you know that he's walking with you wherever you go? It says he will never leave us or forsake us. Sometimes I think we think that he doesn't hear everything that we say or know everything that we think. But he's with us all the way in all of our journeys this morning. He's with us. Okay? And I think this is kind of strange that Jesus, after the resurrection, he appears to the women. They run off, okay, and they're going to go tell the good news. But then he appears to two kind of unnamed disciples. We get a name here, but they're never mentioned before. We don't actually know who these two guys were or much about them except that they had already, they had experienced, they had seen the, the, the crucifixion, they had heard the women's story, and they're walking, they're going home. That's how many of us do after church on Sunday. We hear this message. We hear about salvations. We see salvations. We see baptisms. We hear about a man being healed in his ankle. We hear about a man that, that passes the test. We hear all these things, and we go home, and we just say, oh, okay, that was, that was good. And we go back to our normal life. Listen, the Christian life, the normal Christian life is doing a lot more than what we normally do. Amen? So here is Jesus. He's walking along with these guys, and, and they didn't know it was Jesus. You know, that's kind of cool, isn't it? (laughs) He's just walking along with them incognito. And then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So apparently they were walking like this. (laughs) They They were talking about all this stuff. They were sad. So many Christians are walking around. Woe is me. I don't know if I can make it another day. And the world sees you and goes, hey, that's cool. You're what, a Christian? I read an article in the paper Saturday, and I dig- digress. But I just thought this was so, I just, oh, couldn't believe it. This lady writes an article every Saturday. I'm not going to tell you her name. It's on the faith page. But she's very careful to be politically correct. And her whole article is about how we are good, we should be good Easter people. The word Christian, except in the title, which I'm sure she didn't probably put her stamp of approval on, but we're supposed to be good Easter people. So I'm just going to start calling everybody Easter people. Are you an Easter person? Yeah, I believe it. That's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Okay, I said that. So what's your conversation like when you're sad? What's your conversation like when you don't realize that Jesus is actually in the midst of your circumstance? What's your conversation like when things are looking really bad, but you've been praying for them to be really good? What's your conversation like? Listen, the words out of your mouth are so important. 
What are you speaking in your life situation today? What are you speaking over your finances today? What are you speaking over your addiction today? What are you speaking over your children today? What are you speaking over the things in your life that God says, oh, you just, you've given up. You just sound so sad. Jesus is going, I don't know what's wrong with them. I'm right here. Why are you so sad? Christians should be the happiest people in all the earth. Let me say that again. Maybe y'all didn't hear me. Christians should be the happiest people in all the earth. Do I need to click my heels again? Sure. Bill can probably do that now. All right. Just don't do it right now. Don't do it. We'll help you later. We should be happy, guys. We, we should. And yet, we, and we don't recognize the very Jesus Christ that's walking with us after he suffered all the things he suffered, and he just wants to hang out with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants, your, he wants to hear your conversation. Matter of fact, he hears your conversation. So what's it like this morning? It's almost like these two guys, well, we gave that Christianity thing a shot, but it just didn't work out. Let's just go back to Emmaus. I think my wife needs me. I got to go back. I just want to give up on this Emmaus thing, this Christianity, this Easter thing. I was going to give up. That's what they were doing. They were defeated. They were just like, oh, this is man. He was killed. We thought he was going to do something else. Let's look at the next passage. Then one of those whose name was Cleopas or Cleopas answered and said to him, Jesus, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened here in these days? Can you imagine just talking to Jesus? What's the matter with you, man? <laughs> and Jesus said to them, what things? <laughs> I just love Jesus. Jesus has a sense of humor. What, the, what things are you referring to? <laughs> so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who, underline this, was, look at their, look at their terms, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. Now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. He was the was Messiah. He was the prophet. He was the son of God. He wasn't. He, he, we, listen, if he's the was in your life, he needs to be the is in your life. He was and is to come. He is the I am. He is the eternal presence and the future and the past. He's all of those. But for some of us, he's just the was. Man, I remember when Jesus did so and so. I remember when Jesus did that. What's he doing now in your life? What's new in your life with Jesus Christ? Because he is the the prophet, the priest, the king of the is, not the was. And that's what they were saying. Well, he was this and he was that. And look at verse 21. This, is, this goes back to what I say. Many of us try to make Jesus out to be something that he never was designed to be. And they said, but we, it's all about us, isn't it? But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Listen, some, we just want to make it about us, don't we? I, just sure, I wish he would have done what we wanted him to do. And Jesus is just kind of scratching his head the whole time he's listening to these guys. Just didn't get it, guys. You just haven't figured it out yet. But then I think he's also kind of snickering because he knows he's about to reveal that to them. 
These guys just don't know what's about to happen, do they, David? They are just about to be knocked off of their feet because Jesus is about to let them know who he is. Funny thing about it is for Christians, we already know who he is. We've already had the revelation. They were hoping Jesus would uh, come back and ride on a white horse, set up a palace, kill all the Romans, take care of them, put them in their rightful place. Man, we are the children of God. They had Jesus all figured out, but they had him figured out all wrong. What have you figured out about him wrong? What have you tried to put him in? Where have you tried to fit him into your life? When he's saying all along, I'm right here, but that's not where I fit. You need to fit into my life. Where have you done that to God? I think we've all done that, haven't we? We've kind of made him out to be our big, well, Jesus, you know, I I know I haven't been living for you, but I sure need a favor. Jesus, I know I haven't been very obedient. I know I haven't tithed. I know I haven't tithed in a long, long, long time, but I've got some financial needs and you need to come through, buddy. And you know, I know I haven't been sowing the way I'm supposed to, but I sure need to reap some good stuff. And we wonder why things aren't happening in our life. It sure gets quiet when you start talking about tithing. The T word. The S word, sowing. Kids are getting excited back there. So they go on and say this, verse 22. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see, so we're going to go back to Emmaus. That part's not in there. (laughs) But that's what they were doing. I guess they were saying we don't believe what women say. Well, if John or Peter would have heard that, yeah, we're there, buddy. I want want to show you something here. It's pretty interesting, I think. It's kind of a side note. A lot of guys want to blame Eve for bringing sin into the world, right? In the garden. I heard that with that little inflection in your voice, Bill. That wasn't good. We're going to pray for you. Yeah. Duh. We do, we blame, we blame Eve because she's the one that gave the fruit to, to Adam. And, of course, he's the, the authority over her, and he allowed her to do that stuff. Mm. What kind of, where, where was the tomb Jesus was placed in? It was in where? A garden. Okay, it was in a garden. What did Mary, when she saw Jesus the first time, what did she call him? The, you must be the gardener. So I think God in his infinite wisdom said, you know what, if, if the guys in the church at Freedom Fellowship on Sunday and May the 1st are going to blame the woman, then they should also give honor to the women that I revealed it to first, the salvation of the world, the resurrection. It was a woman in a garden. See how God does things? It was in garden. Eve was deceived in a garden. And then 
Here comes Jesus, and he's the second Adam, the Bible says. He was raised to life in a garden, and he, was, he revealed the truth of his resurrection to a woman. So don't use that anymore, guys, okay? Sorry, burst your little bubble. I hear all these little conversations going on all over the place. But these guys, after hearing this, this testimony of these women, they leave anyway. Sometimes, guys, we leave before the breakthrough, and we're almost right there. We're prayed up, we're, we're working, we're pressing in, and we get so, so close to breakthrough, and then for some reason the enemy comes in and throws some cold water on you. You run away, you cry, and you complain, and you gripe. And, and God's saying, just one more day, one more prayer, one more holding on, one more believing for. You are just almost there. What's, what's this video? We're going to show it Wednesday night about how God allows things to happen in our life because he's developing our character so we can handle the healing, so we can handle the financial breakthrough, so we can handle the prophetic word. Some of us were just right there, but we don't press in past that. And so God pulls it back and says, okay, I've got to wait for them to be ready to receive. Does that make sense? That's what they were doing. These guys, they were just right there. If they would have just hung out, a little longer, they would have been right there when, when Jesus, well, he, he was graceful enough to show them anyway. And that's how he is, isn't he? He's graceful enough to show us anyway, even in our doubt and unbelief sometimes. Look at verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I was telling David this morning in our, in our praise team practice, I said, this is, he was sharing some things, and I said, this is cool, because God showed me the same thing. He was talking about how he's homeschooling his daughters, and they're in the Word. And he said, he doesn't even remember some of the passages that he's read, because so many times we like to skip to the good stuff. How many of you read the last page of the book, the novel, to find out how it ends to see if you really want to read it? Anybody be honest this morning? Okay, a few of you. Yeah. I used to would look at that verse and I would jump on to verse 28. Because I, I, it just said, well, he just talked to them about the scriptures. Boring, you know. He, he, he just expounded on himself about the scriptures. And, and, and so and they didn't, it didn't say what he said, so he, well, let's just move on to verse 28. Let's get to the climax of this story where he goes, Woof, it's me, okay? But I want us to stop there because, listen, the foundation of our life, the foundation has to be the Word of God. Listen, if we don't have a foundational teaching and understanding of the Word of God, we will miss all these other things that God has for us. And so he had to stop. We don't know how long it took him, but it says he began to teach them. He began to expound upon himself the prophetic word throughout the Holy Scriptures that was given that they already had heard, that they had already read. And all of a sudden these things, he said, I want this stuff to come alive to you. Now let me say, Isaiah 53, 3 through 5, I want to read two passages of prophetic uh, messianic prophecies. 
Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. He might, he just might have shared this with them. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed he said listen you need to know that guys you need to know this then isaiah 50 he might have shared this word with him the lord god has opened my ear and i was not rebellious nor did i turn away i gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard i did not hide my face from shame and spitting for the lord god will help me Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Did you know these guys had to be going, oh, whoa, we might need to go back. There's some things that I think this man is sharing with us that we just saw three days ago. Maybe we missed it. Then he might have told them these things about the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised. He's the blessing of Abraham to all nations. He's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, the man who wrestled with Jacob, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the voice from the burning bush, the Passover lamb, the prophet greater than Moses, the captain of the Lord's army to Joshua, the ultimate kinsman redeemer mentioned in Ruth, the son of David who was a king greater than David, the suffering Savior of Psalm 22, the, the good shepherd of Psalm 23, the wisdom of Proverbs and the lover of the Song of Solomon, the Savior described in the prophets and the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, the princely Messiah of Daniel who would establish a kingdom that would never end. He might have shared those things with those guys. He just might have shared those things with them. Sometimes we just forget. Sometimes we walk away. Sometimes we don't realize he's walking right with us through the things in our life, the circumstances of our life. Maybe I, I know I needed it. Maybe you needed reminding of that this morning, of who Jesus really is, who he is, not who he was, who he is. And he's coming back. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you guys, you, you just, uh, y'all gone. I, I've, got, I've got to be going somewhere else. Uh, you guys, I don't want to force myself on your company. I, I don't want to invade your life. You know, Jesus has come up alongside so many people in life, in history, and just loved on them and shared with them. And he's done it through you and me and other people. And might have done it through your grandmother or your grandparents or your parents. He's brought people into your life to share about this miracle of salvation, this miracle of knowing Jesus Christ. He's brought people into your life that have walked along with you. But so many people, and you know some of those people this morning, they just walked away. He wanted to go farther with them. 
But they said, you know, no, I, I, we're, we're good. We're good. I just think I'll stay in my sin. I think I'll just throw, stay in the world. I'll, st- I'll do my own thing. I really don't need Jesus. And, and Jesus, listen, he will not force his way in. He won't force his way in. Now, some mamas do. <laughs> some grandparents do. You need Jesus. <laughs> some overzealous witnesses do. But listen, Jesus doesn't, and we shouldn't either. We should do it with grace the same way he gave it to us, with grace and love. Our witnessing should always be done in love. It should always be done with seasoned words, with graceful words, preempted by prayer. Listening to the voice of God, the Holy Spirit saying, this is the one, right now is the time. And I'm not saying you, you don't have to get, uh, sometimes you just get excited. But if God says get excited, get excited. If you need to call out somebody's sin, maybe you need to call out somebody's sin. Jesus did. But do it with grace, do it with love. They drew near the village to where they were going, and Jesus indicated that he would have gone farther. But look, look at verse 29. But they constrained him. They said, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. <laughs> That's good. Hallelujah. You're right, Pam. Hey, uh, sir, we'd like to hear some more about this. That what you've been sharing with us these last few moments, these last few hours, we don't know how long it was. But, sir, would you just, hey, don't leave now. Come in. We'll, we'll fix you some dinner. Yeah, don't leave, Jesus. Would you just hang out with us a little bit longer? They constrained him. They said, please stay. If you ask him, he will stay. If you ask him, if you offer your life to him, he will come in. He will stand at the door and he'll knock, but you've got to open the door. The doorknob's on the inside. He wants to come in, and he will if you ask him. Now it came to pass, verse 30. It came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened And they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. You know, you've heard me say, I just just think if, what if I was sitting there with them? Because I've read, I read commentaries and what gave him away? (laughs) When he lifted up the bread and they saw these nail prints in his hand. Just the way he spoke to his father when he blessed the food. Just think about that, guys. He'd just been crucified three days ago. He he was risen from the dead. And God says, I think you need to go to these two men. Son, you need to just go to them. Because they they need to hear. They, They don't need to walk away. They need to hear about your love. They need to hear about the scriptures. They need to hear about the prophecy. Just go hang out with them, talk to them, pray with them. And when the time comes, you reveal yourself to them. And he did.
and their eyes were opened, and they knew him. That's a prayer you should pray for everybody that you know that doesn't know Jesus. Father, open their eyes that they may see. Reveal your truth to them. Reveal your love to them. Don't pray, Lord, if they need to be in a car wreck so they can see you. Don't pray that kind of prayer. That's manipulation. I heard somebody that the other day was saying, well, I just prayed whatever it took. And I... <laughs> Don't do that. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal truth to them, that they would have an encounter with God. Leave the other stuff to God, okay? That vanishing thing, that just kind of gets me. <laughs> Think about that, huh? Where, where is he? Didn't he just break the? Didn't he just pray? Where Where is he? And they said to one another, "Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us?" They already knew. They already knew. When it says, did not your heart burn within you? Y'all know what that feeling is like, don't you? When you're lost and the preacher's preaching and, or you're hearing a sermon somewhere or you're listening to a sermon or, or your mom is telling you about Jesus or something, but all of a sudden you get the dum 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 your heart's burning, you go, oh, boy. You know right then Jesus is coming in and he's speaking to you. And they said, man, our hearts were burning within us. While we, while we walked on the road with this man, he shared the scriptures with us. I want you to just take a moment. Think about the time when Jesus came into your life. What was the feeling like? Just go back. Just close your eyes. and Remember that time when Jesus came and he spoke to you. And all of a sudden it became real. It became real to you. All of a sudden your eyes were opened. All of a sudden, you knew he was, he, he was who he said he was. And just thank him for saving you. Thank him for saving you. Father, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for that moment for me in 1970 in the little church in Shreveport, Louisiana, when I knew that I knew that I knew you'd call me. To give my life to you. I thank you for that day, Lord. I thank you for my uncle who preached the word. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. But I thank you for an encounter with you that day. But I ask you to forgive me for all the days I didn't listen. All the days I didn't obey. All the times I didn't recognize your presence as I walked the road of life and I pushed you aside and I carved my own way and I thank you Father for your graciousness and your loving discipline that brought me back to a place of surrender and knowing that you had called me 
I thank you, Father, for healing a broken marriage. I thank you, Father, for putting people in my life. That would love me in spite of me. Thank you, Father. I think we can all pray that prayer. I know I I just did, but I know you can too. God is gracious to put people in our life. When we're walking away, when we're struggling, when we're down and we are the gripers and the complainers, God is so gracious to bring people into our life that say, it doesn't have to be that way from now. It doesn't have to be that way forever. And you come into the presence of God and you are reignited with His love, with His passion. And I love what they did. They rose up that very hour. (laughs) They didn't sleep on it, guys. They didn't say, well, that's good. We've been in the presence of Jesus. Nighty-night. They immediately, they rose up that very hour. Look what they did. And they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed and he's appeared to Simon. Are you that excited about Jesus? When he shows up in your life and he breaks bread in your life and he shows you who he is and he, he empowers you, do you just, well, I think I'll just go to bed. Or do you want to go tell somebody? Do you want to go share that very thing that God's given you to share? That's what they did. I, mean, they, I can just imagine. They're, they're all the way. That's, I think it's about seven miles to Emmaus. It's about seven miles. They'd walked that long journey. And they were there and they'd eaten supper. And Jesus, he just vanished. And they said, we got to go now. Sometimes we like to prepare too much. Don't we? Oh, if, every, if all the stars are lining up just right and I get this email and this word and this confirmation and that confirmation, then I might go tell somebody about Jesus. I might go after him a little bit more. No, sometimes we just need to say, okay, God, you've just put something in my heart. I got to go do it. And then just go do it, okay? I didn't get many amens about that. Just go do it. Well, if God's put something in your heart. Quit trying to figure God out on everything. That's right. He'll tell you what to say. Amen, Brother Bill. And so they get back, and there's just all this commotion. They're there with the 11, and all the 11 are just talking. And talking. Hey, guys, 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 we just, we just had, we had dinner. Jesus, we were on the road. And then, wait, wait, wait. And they, I'm thinking they're going, no, no, listen, we've already seen him. Simon's already seen him. That's in 1 Corinthians 15. He's, he's already, Simon's already seen him. Well, we saw him too. <laughs> yeah, but Simon, no, but we saw him. He, he ate dinner with us. Now, I just think guys are guys sometimes. That's probably how they did it, Jody. It's like when Peter and John, John outran Peter, but Peter kicked John to the side and went on into the tomb. You know? Get away, John. Scared. <laughs> Simon, he appears to Simon. Can you imagine that reunion? Can you imagine the joy? They went from sad to happy. They went from dead to alive. They went from lost to found in a moment. All of a sudden, they're going, hey, this is the real deal. 
People that tell you that, that Jesus faked his death and none of that really happened, I'm telling you, they, they've just got to be ra- ra- raving idiots. To figure, not to figure, if, if somebody, if he faked it, and then they're, they're going to go and give their life for somebody that faked their death, I mean, that's ridiculous. They were so impassioned because they had seen the risen Lord that there's nothing was going to stop them from getting the word out. Nothing was going to stop them. You can go and read the rest of the story. Jesus shows up again. Whoop. It's pretty cool. Stand, please. Nicole, would you get ready for baptism? I want to pray this scripture over you this morning. I know we've already had an invitation of sorts, but we can have another one. I want to pray. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes? If you are so inclined, you can open your hands up to receive, just in an opening fashion, like somebody's about to give you a baby.